I failed you. I wish there were another way for me to say it. I cannot. I can only beg your forgiveness and pray you hear me somehow. Some place, some place where a warm hand waits for mine. season of once upon a time can we jump in we can jump in all right welcome to welcome to storybrook book five and we have a new name thanks to fudge cassidy which is aunt annihilation which i love by the way yes we do me too so this is uh chapter one of book four yes five right chapter <laughs> chapter one of book five which is Season 4, Episode 1, A Tale of Two Sisters. We open on some of the worst Disney parents dying, so this is a great start to the season. Really? The worst Disney parents? I said some of the worst. I mean, that's a deep bench. Bad Disney parents is a deep bench. I don't know. I mean, most of their crimes seem to be being dead or step. First of all, step parents are real parents. Step parents are real parents. But in Disney canon... If parents are evil, then they're generally step or adopted. That's true. See Mother Gothel. Okay, Mother Gothel is, is, is a worse parent. And especially because Tangled is kind of structured to be a toxic maternal relationship, I don't feel comfortable dismissing her as not a parent. Oh no, she's definitely Rapunzel's parent. But I'm saying there's that weird layer where it seems like if a parent is abusive, like for example... Kerchik to uh, Tarzan. Disney needs to have this weird separation thing where, oh, it's the step-parent. Oh, it's an adopted parent, even though those parental relationships are just as legitimate as bio-parent relationships. Oh, it's the witch who kidnapped you. Yes. That one's actually not as legit as bio-parents. I'm sure there are tons of witches who kidnap children who were perfectly fine mothers. Do you remember the young adult novel, The Face on the Milk Carton? I do. I remember reading it, although I don't remember anything about it other than there were apparently several sequels to it. Yeah, there were. She was kidnapped as a child, and the story starts with her as a teenager seeing her face on the milk carton and then having to, like, figure out what happened. And spoiler alert for the end of this young adult novel from the 80s, it turns out that she was kidnapped and then the woman who kidnapped her went to her parents, who she was estranged from, said, this is my child, abandoned her, and took off. So the grandparents, this older couple, not realizing that this was a kidnapped child, thinking it was their grandchild, just raised her. So then, because they weren't really at fault, but she has this other family that is actually her family, she's reunited with them at the end of the book. The sequels are about how they... They don't really understand her the way the people who raised her do. Mm. Honestly, the books are about how the people who kidnapped her are more legit than her actual family. So on topic, but also still kind of off topic, there's this DC character I like, even though his story's kind of, eh. his name's Damage. I don't know this character. He was kind of minor-ish, like he had a series for a while and then he was part of the JSA. Anyway, but part of his backstory was 
some government thing found babies with superpowers and like kidnapped them and gave them to agents of this government agency to raise so they'd be able to blah 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 government stuff okay but the guy's adopted dad he was super abusive to this kid he knew had superpowers well that's just dumb hey you know who else did that who zolina's dad yeah yeah oh oh there's a kid who i'm raising who can do all of this horrifying terrifying awesome stuff i guess i better be super abusive to them because that won't backfire at any point Ugh. so back to these terribly abusive disney parents on a tempest tossed sea yeah so basically it's the scene in frozen where we all cried i cried i cry a lot at movies and tv shows yeah not me okay well anyway this- i'm sorry these are Elsa and Anna's parents who are like, hey, hey, Elsa, hey, Elsa, you're a freak and you need to be locked away from society so you won't hurt people. Remember, you're inherently dangerous. Okay, so I'm really glad you said that because that is actually a huge part of the plot this season. A huge part of Elsa's motivation is her belief that her parents thought she was a freak who needed to be hidden away. Like in the movie. Like in the movie. I wasn't crying because the parents were dead. I was crying because Elsa and Anna were alone. And they could have been there for each other. But because she was so psychologically scarred, she couldn't even connect with her sister. Honestly, I'm kind of pissed at the servants because they did not do a good job helping these kids out. I assume they took care of Anna's, like, physical needs. And they were probably freaked out about Elsa. Why couldn't Anna just leave the castle? Because she had to grow up to be queen. The servants knew what was up, and they knew... No, no, why couldn't Anna leave the castle? The servants knew that Elsa was not actually going to be able to serve. I mean, not as she was. The, anyway, Anna and Elsa's parents are clearly going to go down in this ship, and so they're desperately writing a note to put in a bottle to send out into the sea in the hopes that Anna and Elsa might find it. I mean, I know it's once upon a time, so contrived coincidences are sort of a go-to move here but that's really putting a lot in the hands of fate there no seriously they say as they're tossing it out are you sure we're doing the right thing because even as they're about to die they're not sure they want to reveal this secret to anna and elsa like it's a given that this bottle tossed into the ocean is gonna reach them that's nuts Maybe their mother has some sort of superpower where she can guide glass, like how Anna secretly has super strength. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I do like that. All right. Oh, also, they don't actually die. They become Tarzan's parents, and then they die, according to the director of Frozen. Wait, wait, really? I thought that was just a fan theory. No, that was something he said. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I've heard a couple fan theories Mm -hmm. about how Frozen ties into everything. First, there's the theory that that ship is the ship that Ariel's exploring in part of your world. And also, I don't know, this is just to, like, add insult to injury, but the theory that they were killed on their way to on their way to Rapunzel and Flynn Rider's wedding. Oh. I mean, there's no reason to believe that. That's just, like, seriously insult to injury. Well, don't Rapunzel and Eugene show up as, like, cameo guests? They do. They do in, um... We see them. At, we see them for just a second at Elsa's coronation. Mm. Uh, Disney multiverse, <laughs> shared universe movie coming up. Well, I mean, that's kind of the show, right? 
Disney multiverse. Speaking of, uh, Anna and Elsa are at their mother and father's weird giant tombstones. Right, memorial tombstones that are kind of designed to look stonehenge I think. I, I was, look when I was looking at them, I was like, they look kind of like uh, that, yeah, the Stonehenge-esque place where uh, the final confrontation in Brave went down. Yeah. Anyway, Elsa and Anna, as you said, are at their parents' markers, right? Because obviously it's on their graves because their bodies are out in the ocean somewhere. Okay, and we have to immediately talk about the actress who plays Elsa and how this was fucking ace casting on their part. Oh, okay, you go ahead and talk about that because when we're done, we absolutely have to talk about their outfits. Oh, yeah. Okay, Elsa, my god, they did an amazing job. This this woman looks like how Elsa would look if she was forced to be human proportioned. She really does. Um, It's really good casting. Also, she kind of has, I, I don't even really know how to say this, Idina Menzel's bearing, you hmm. know? Idina Menzel is not blonde, and if you put a blonde wig on Idina Menzel, she wouldn't look the way you imagine Elsa would look as a human. But this woman is still carrying herself the way Idina Menzel does, which I feel like is a great accomplishment, especially up against the poor actress playing Anna. Who's trying really hard. She's doing a real Kristen Bell impression. And I just wish she would drop the really uncanny Kristen Bell impression and just be the character just do it just do it the way you want to do it sweetie don't try to imitate Kristen Bell yeah because it it really feels like she's doing an impression of someone else I don't remember if that gets better at any point during this season but somehow I kind of doubt it it was real annoying this episode I like you said I don't remember if it gets better well I guess we'll talk about that all right now let's talk about their outfits okay their so outfits make me so angry I'm so mad at their outfits. I feel like there were some very, very specific guidelines set by uh, Disney to the showrunners that they had to wear Party City versions of the characters' outfits from the... Okay, so there's a couple problems here. Elsa's Let It Go dress, the, the dress that she creates out of ice, weird superpower, by the way, does not fit the aesthetics of this... Scandinavian-esque village, okay? It doesn't really work with what Anna wears. And that's fine because it's a cartoon and it's made out of ice. Ice magic. Yes. It, it's like how Jean's costume is made out of the Phoenix Force. It's made out of literally thinking really hard. I'm so glad you brought up Jean because it's like superheroes where the costume on the page doesn't necessarily look good when you put it on a real flesh and blood person. Mm. And once upon a time, generally adapts the outfits that the characters wear. They do their take on the outfit so that it fits in with the scene, with the character, with the style, so that it matches, you know? So that it matches the feel of what we're looking at. And they just, like, straight out did a cheap copy of the animated dress and I, that makes me angry that makes me angry that the costume designers who i mean i love the costume designers on this show they've pulled off amazing outfits before and it makes me angry that like you said this feels like executive interference and it makes me angry that they weren't allowed to do their own thing with elsa and anna's fine anna's fine anna's fine because 
what she wears as a cartoon character fits the aesthetic of Once Upon a Time, but she's also just legit wearing the outfit from the cartoon. Yeah, it's just that's a less fantastic outfit. Right. But Elsa tells Anna, as they're standing at their parents' graves, Elsa tells Anna that her parents would be proud of her for marrying some filthy uh, elk person. Some Iceman. But... Some filthy commoner who was raised by trolls. Which... Okay, I know we can't just talk about Frozen the entire time. Wait, why not? Because that's what this episode does. Okay, actually, this is sort of one of my problems with this season, which isn't really a problem, but... The, the way Frozen doesn't get mixed in with other fairy tales, it just, like, straight up does a live-action re- retelling of Frozen? No, no, not that it does a live-action retelling of Frozen. It's that this season really, really assumes that you saw Frozen. Okay, but... Do you remember 2013? I do remember 2013. But I was just thinking how frustrating this must have been. And I know there's probably nobody out there. But if you haven't seen Frozen, but you're watching this season, it must have made no sense. Well, I really wonder how well this season will age. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, also, can I be clear about something here? Mm-hmm. I'm... I just need to be clear that I'm not going to be one of those people who's too cool for Frozen, no pun intended. I saw it in theaters three times, and that movie's really important to me. All right. I have a different opinion. I don't hate it or anything. It's just a lot of the issues I have with Frozen are a lot of the issues I have with other movies that came out sort of around that time, where it feels like there was a really strong concept, but it also feels like there are three or four different stories fighting to get out and you're sort of they're just sort of half telling a bunch of them okay well we don't need to tell anyone who's listening to our podcast i'm sure they all know that frozen actually did change a lot between conception and screen and you can tell you can tell elsa was clearly intended to be the villain in the first draft the villain twist where hans is actually evil doesn't actually make a lot of sense because there's no setup for it In fact, I really like the fan theory that the trolls are really the evil ones and and that they make Hans turn evil. It fits with everything that happens in the story and it fits with everything we know and see about the trolls. Okay, actually we should save this because the trolls do come up in this episode and I have a lot I want to say about them. Okay, we'll save that. But I, I, I like that fan theory because it makes everything fit. Also, it makes Fixer Upper the villain song, which makes so much sense. Because Fixer Upper super contradicts with what Kristoff had established about the trolls prior to this. Right. It makes sense for it to be a villain song. Also, the trolls are purposely obtuse for no good reason, which fucks everyone over. Also, as it stands, the villain song is Love is an Open Door. And we know in Disney movies, villains don't lie in their villain song. But he is lying in Love is an Open Door. Mm. So Elsa tells Anna, as they walk away from their parents' graves... That she has a surprise for her, and Anna's like, I don't know, in this family, surprises are kind of a mixed bag, and Elsa's like, it's a nice one. Well, also, she says it's for your wedding, so that we know where we are in time in relation to the Frozen movie, which we all know because we've all seen the Frozen movie, Mm. as you said. Yes. And also that apparently she and Kristoff are going to wed. Hmm. So that's going to be our flashback structure. Uh, We cut from there to present day in Storybrooke, which you will remember from... Last week, or, you know, last season, if you were watching this in real time, like... People apparently were. I did. 
I, I, I was waiting for this. As you remember from last week, Elsa was brought over when Emma traveled back in time. So now she's here in present day Storybrooke, just leaving a trail of ice behind her everywhere she walks. Like a slug. Like a nice slug. But she walks towards the town line, which, as we all know, is disaster. And she sees a sign, not the Welcome to Storybrook sign, but apparently the road is maintained by the Storybrook Beautification Department. Sure, why not? Which raises some questions, but... You know what? That actually raises less questions for me than most things in this show. So she freezes over the sign, and it's sinister. Which brings us to our opening image, which is snow. Yep. Now, when you say she freezes over the sign, I think it needs to be clear that there's just ice everywhere she walks and looks. She's not doing the, like, ice blast. Yeah, it's just a side product of being her. So, back at the party, now, you'll remember- Back at the worst christening ever. (laughs) Yeah. You'll remember back at the party, Regina just found out that she's with her soulmate now, but everything sucks because her soulmate's dead wife- who she killed when she was the evil queen, has been brought back to the present by Emma when she was time-traveling to the past. Yeah, after Emma's time-travel shenanigans, she accidentally saved Regina's soulmate's true love. Well, love. Wife. Wife. See, that's the important part, right? Regina's soulmate is Robin Hood, and his wife is Maid Marian. But I think it's clear that while Maid Marian is his wife, she is not his true love. So it's really more of like an obligation thing. But uh, anyway, she's back from the dead, so Emma kind of fucked over Regina. And... I know, I know. And Regina's, Regina's just so upset, and she says, I'm always the villain, even when I'm not. And it's like, actually, Regina, you did kind of kill her. For kind of no reason. Like, I get that she's mad because, you know, Emma... Emma did totally ruin her life by bringing this woman back, but also you murdered her for no reason, so you really don't have the moral high ground here. No matter how much it ruins your life, you can't be mad at someone for stopping you from killing someone. That just doesn't work out, like you said, from a moral standpoint. Like, normally we're on Regina's side, but... You know what? I'm still on her side. I just know that we're wrong like i know that over on this side where i want regina to be happy we are wrong she did kill that woman for no reason but regina tells emma that she should have left things well enough alone and emma's like uh okay yeah granted i screwed you over but again it's not a bad thing to save someone's life and you know regina tries to get all oh it wasn't me it was the evil queen and i you know what I know you're in the middle of a redemption arc, but it's not like you under mind control or something. It was you, Regina. Yeah, later they're gonna kind of lean into the whole Regina and the evil queen are two different people, and that's not the case at all. Just because you feel bad about the things you did in the past doesn't mean you're, like, a different person. Okay. So... Can we... Okay, this is gonna be a bleep heavy segment right now okay so robin brings marion out to meet regina and find out that regina is not so bad anymore she's changed and okay so marion like literally hours ago from her point of view was about to be executed by this woman that's true so she's like are you high 
Like, she killed so many people for no reason. What's wrong with all of you? And, you know, she's got a point. Okay, so this is actually interesting and complex because Regina, we know, we know Regina has changed. We know she's good now, but that doesn't change the fact that she did all of these things. So the question of, like, what she has to do to redeem herself and what she owes to a society that she terrorized, this is a good question. This is worth hashing out. Like, yes, Robin Hood is her true love, but maybe she doesn't get to be with her true love because of the actions she took when she was legitimately evil. Maybe she has lost that. And that's interesting and complex. And I love that story. And you know what? Because, you know what? And all those questions go away. Yeah, right? I'm so mad. I'm angry. But putting that aside, Maid Marian is freaking the hell out at Regina, understandably. And everyone comes out and they're like, Regina, are you okay? We've decided to be on your side in this one instance. This one moment when it's inconvenient, we're going to be on your side. And Maid Marian, understandably, she's like, what is wrong with all of you? Especially, you, she doesn't bring this up, but especially Snow, who she was willing to die to protect. Ooh, yeah. Like... Yeah, she died to keep from giving Snow away to Regina, and now Snow and Regina are all buddy-buddy? Yeah. Oof. That's something that should get addressed at some point, right? Yeah, what? Whatever. But Regina decides that, you know what? Nope. Fuck it. I'm out of here. And she uh, storms off. And David... Oh my god. Immediately. David immediately goes back and turns on her. Yeah, he's like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, looks like she's probably gonna be evil again. Better get my murdering stick. Yeah, I just wrote fuck off David in my notes. And Hook raises the salient point. He's like, okay, I think we should just give her space. This is sort of a major thing, and she might need to deal with it without everyone shrieking at her. And Henry's like, I hope she doesn't... Turn evil again. Evil relapse. And it's like... Which, I mean, honestly, it turns out to be a pretty good point. I know we go to the, uh, a dog told us you committed murder thing a lot. But it's kind of reasonable here. Yeah, I, you know what? Still, I'm, st- I, I still haven't turned back on Henry. I'm, I'm still pro-Henry right now. Yeah, because, I mean, he's also... I hope she doesn't turn evil again, not I'm going to go get my murder stick. So then we go to Grumpy and is that Sleepy? I think it's Sleepy. Grumpy and Sleepy in the car. And I know it's his name, but seriously, he is being grumpy for no reason. (laughs) Like he is being so mean to his designated driver. Leroy is a mean drunk. I love him so much. He's great. And he's, he's pissed because the radio's out. And he says, what is it with this town? Does the radio go out at midnight now? But it, it's magic. Yeah. Magic is, as we know, fucks with tech. And because they're so busy arguing, they almost don't see the blonde woman in the middle of the road. The blonde woman in the sparkly light blue dress. As, as someone who is very, very aware of people crossing the street in Portland... 
I'm sorry, most of the people who cross the street, like, in the dark, wear black and aren't visible. You can attest to that. That That is accurate. That is accurate. Pedestrians in Portland take their lives in their hands. Elsa was not. She was super fucking visible there. Anyway, she does not get hit by a car because, as you'll recall, Elsa... She has ice powers. Elsa has ice powers. So she just freezes the truck and then takes off. And... Weird that neither one of the dwarves saw her, right? That is weird. I, I didn't realize the dwarves didn't see her. I assumed they did. But you know, you're right. They didn't. Yeah. How weird. Because they definitely saw her enough to try to stop the car, but they didn't notice, hey, it's that really popular character who's on the TV all the time. Elsa's really important to me. Mm-hmm. As, which I just want to say because this is the moment where we really see how Elsa is freaking out at being in the modern world. And how it's causing her ice powers to just go crazy. And as someone who deals with anxiety, I felt so seen by the representation of Elsa. I know a lot of queer people saw Elsa as queer representation, which is totally there. And I I love that too. I wish it would be... Acknowledged. Yeah, I I was going to say I wish it would be actually um, textual instead of just implied. Not too late. Frozen 2, give Elsa a girlfriend. But she's walking down the middle of the street, leaving her ice trail. It's the next day. We can see it's morning now. So apparently she's just been walking around Storybrooke spreading ice all day. And she nearly gets run over by a motorcyclist. Which I didn't think about, but there's ice all all over Storybrooke now. That motorcyclist is going to wipe out. Also, she's walking really slowly down the middle of the street. Did you legit not see her, dude? This is a classic, no one is in the middle of Main Street, Storybrooke moment, where Elsa can just walk down the street in the middle of the day and and nobody sees her, offers her help, wonders where this new chick came from. This new chick who's shedding ice everywhere around her. But she sees a uh, wedding dress in a bridal store, and it triggers a memory of her bringing Anna to a murder attic. Yeah, and Anna's trying to guess what it is she has to show her, and she's like, Ooh, is it an ice rink? Or... A horse? No way a horse can get up these stairs. I'm like, horses can go upstairs. Well, she's guessing all of these ice-related things, and I was realizing that's what Elsa brings to the kingdom, is all of her ice powers, and I just couldn't help but think about Benji Wyatt. God. And his Ice Town fiasco. Ice Town costs Ice Clown Town Crown. Parks and Rec is such a good show. Yeah, anyway, though, in the attic, what she, in fact, has to show Anna is the wedding dress. Hope you like being jabbed in the ribs by whalebone. It's really great for your posture, and it looks amazing. But she shows her the wedding dress. The wedding's tomorrow, so you'd think she would have already had a wedding dress planned, but... She's a princess. She just expects things to be taken care of for her. And they are. Yeah. Although, I suppose uh, Elsa probably could have taken care of that with her dressmaking powers. I assume that the clothes that Elsa makes with her powers are, like, super cold, but it doesn't matter because the cold never bothered her anyway. I assume it would be really uncomfortable for Anna to wear it. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, Anna talks about how she's going to totally fuck up the wedding dress by spilling something on it. Maybe chocolate because there are a bunch. Well, she doesn't say that, but there are a bunch of references to Frozen here. I feel like this season would make no sense if you didn't see the movie. She also gives Anna a snowflake necklace, which will be significant for the rest of this season. So notice that. Yes. Pay attention to this necklace that they linger on. Also, she's marrying uh, she's marrying Kristoff, and his best friend is a reindeer who will be at the ceremony, and Kristoff smells bad. Also, she throws in the weird comment that Kristoff has cut his hair, which, I mean, the actor, Nathaniel, he does have shorter hair than Kristoff does in the movie, but what a weird thing to throw in instead of just... You could have given him a wig, or you could have just not mentioned it, and nobody probably would have. Or just had the actor grow out his hair. It's very weird. No, the thing is, I looked up the actor uh, to see what else he'd been in, and before this, he was in Greek where he had long hair. So he cut his hair to be Kristoff? I, presumably he was in something between Greek and Once Upon a Time. Because Greek was on the air like 10,000 years ago, right? I don't know. I never watched it. I was only peripherally aware of it. Anyway, well, Anna's chattering about her her fiancé and, and changing. Elsa is just poking around through stuff, and she comes across her mother's diary. Which is written in runes. Yeah, well, that makes sense, because remember at the beginning of Frozen... Oh, my God. Remember at the beginning of Frozen, when we see her father looking up information about the trolls the books are written in runes Hmm. so that's what their written language looks like this is actually yeah this is actually really well sourced honestly this whole season is really well sourced and i will talk about this in a few minutes by which i mean like an hour when we get 10 more minutes into this episode So, uh, Anna comes out in the wedding dress, but Elsa's distracted by reading this diary, and it's starting to snow. Yeah, she's so distressed by what she's reading that she's creating snowflakes. Because it turns out her mom wrote in the diary that she's, uh, go- that they said they were going to do something else, but what they were actually going to do is find a way to fix their freak daughter. Yep. Hey, remember how I said she's also kind of queer-coded? Yep. Yep. But anyway, back in Storybrooke, Belle and Rumple are Belle and Rumple are on their way to visit Neil's grave and in the sun graveyard that sprung up around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is not where anyway, he was not buried in a graveyard when we saw him being buried and yet graveyard. Also, Rumple does this big speech to Neil where he just totally rewrites his backstory. Well, that's weird because when I was watching this, I was like, okay, so this is just exposition. Like, he got bit by some sort of exposition fairy because he's talking about, like, what happened. Like, he's filling Neil in on the situation with him and Belle that, you know, he gave her the dagger, but it's not the real dagger because in his heart he's still a coward, blah, blah, blah. I feel, yeah. I... Also... Neil's gravestone says, like, it's got one thing. It's like, beloved son, absentee father, not very good fiance. (laughs) Yeah. Also, okay, so Rumpel talks about how he took on the mantle of the Dark One to protect his son, and 
the power corrupted him and now he wants his son to give him the strength to resist the power and return the dagger to Bell because he only did that switch in the first place so that he could kill Zelina. And you know what, now that I'm saying it out loud, that is technically his backstory. I feel like he's slanting it to put himself in a better light than he actually was. As we have discussed, pre-Dark One Rumpel is not actually a good man. So Belle's delusion that she can bring out the good man in him is based on nothing. It's evil all the way down. I don't know. I mean, I don't... Again, we... He wasn't, like, a good man, but I don't think he was, like, a bad guy. He was just a guy. Okay, you're right. He wasn't evil. It's not evil all the way down. But no matter how deep you dig, there's no good husband in there. Yeah. He was, like, a pretty solid dad, except he wouldn't move away from that town where everyone, where all the kids got conscripted to fight ogres. And if he had been a good husband, he would have moved away before then, too. Yeah. Because, you know, he had a skill that he could have brought with him to somewhere else. Like, I know moving isn't an option for everyone, especially if you've got, like, poverty issues, but he had a really marketable skill. In the Peter Pan season, we're explicitly told that moving is an option for him, and he chooses not to. So, you know, fuck him. Anyway, once he establishes blah blah blah, uh, you know, I have the real dagger, Bell has the fake one, I killed Zelina, who's definitely dead forever... We cut to Robin, uh, speaking of unhealthy relationships, we cut to Robin ambushing Regina at her house. Yeah, he's super torn because he loves her, but his wife's back and, you know, he made a vow. And Regina's wearing all white. Or at very least, very light gray. It's not one of Regina's better outfits. I'm just going to put that out there. It doesn't suit her. It does not. But he talks about how he's like, I totally love you, but my wife's not dead. And, you know, I may be a thief, but I have some principles. So later, he he talks about how he made a vow to stay with her. And Regina's like, uh, but there is a curse. And also she did die in the timeline you're from. So technically, are you even married? And he's like, whatever i mean it's so funny how we had like an hour's worth of stuff to say about about anna and elsa at their parents grave and this emotional scene where robin hood is like pouring his heart out to regina at the at how he's torn between his heart and his duty and we're like whatever next scene seriously next scene as he leaves, Regina's so angry she blows up a mirror. Shattering glass might be a theme this season. Yeah, Regina's so angry that she shatters a, that she shatters a mirror behind her. With her mind. With her mind. We haven't talked about this yet on the air, but I actually feel like one of the first conversations we had ever was about how much I loved this season and why I love this season. Actually, I think we might have talked about this on the air. Well, you know what? We talk about it again now because now it's relevant. That's okay. Things happen in cycles. It's a theme. <laughs> okay, so as we said, clearly, clearly, executives came down to the Once Upon a Time writers' room and said you have to do a Frozen season. And as you're watching this season, clearly, the writers' response was, "That's bullshit. Frozen isn't even a real fairy tale." 
It's so far away from its source material that it doesn't even resemble its fairy tale. And then they were like, oh my god, what if we have the original fairy tale, The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen? Fight Frozen. And that's what's gonna happen. So we're gonna start seeing bits from the original fairy tale come into this story. And I don't know how familiar you are with the original uh, fairy tale, but mirrors factor very heavily into them, especially broken mirrors. So on our webpage, we have a, a little spot for patrons, for people who patronize us on Patreon. And one of the sections in there that you can get access to is me reading your fairy tales. And the fairy tale that I'm going to upload this week is going to be part one of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. So, Ooh. yeah. So if you want to listen to me read you The Snow Queen, you can so Regina turns to the mirror and suddenly reminds her of someone we haven't seen in a very, very long time. What? Yep, Sydney's back. Sydney's back and better than ever. Yeah, well, Sydney's back. Sydney's back. The scene ends with uh, Regina looking into the mirror and smiling because she remembered Sydney existed. And we cut to, it's a pretty good shot. It's just her feet walking down a hallway as she goes to uh, the secret asylum that's in the hospital still so yeah, but... Sydney's there alone now right except nurse ratchet who knows about this and just didn't tell anyone <laughs> okay so the the asylum from one flew over one flew over the cuckoo's nest is down there yeah apparently the enchanted forest contains the ken kesey novel one flew over the cuckoo's nest because you know go figure why not also franz kafka's the trial but that's in the Enchanted Forest, not to be confused with the other realm where... The Hammerverse. Is that what you're, we're calling the place where where Frankenstein takes place? Yeah. Yeah, not to be confused with the Hammerverse where Frankenstein takes place. Also... Or the, the Land of Lost Tales. Where the Count of Monte Cristo takes place. Also Jekyll and Hyde. I love this show. Despite, so much. Despite the fact that both Jekyll and Hyde and the Count of Monte Cristo are not in any way lost. Well, I mean, what I take from that is that in the world of Storybrooke, and not just Storybrooke, but also in the world without magic, our world, Alexander Dumas does not exist. That is, that is what I take from that season. So, we go to Belle and Rumple pulling up to this fancy house in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And Belle says, this appeared in the last curse and no one's claimed it, so I figured we could crash here. Like squatters. Yeah, Belle found a castle. Which raises a whole bunch of questions about, again, the whole economic situation in Storybrooke. Um, what I wrote in my notes is curse economics are whack. No one's claimed this giant house yet. Well, no one found it, so I guess it's Bell's now. I, sure, why not? And she wonders who it belonged to. Yeah, I wonder who it belonged to. Mm hmm. But, uh, Rumple freezes her mid giddy spin and replaces the fake dagger in her purse with the real dagger. So Belle has the real dagger now, in case you're keeping track. Then 
Rumple sees a hat box. I mean, it's a hat box. It's we we don't know it's a hat box yet because we don't know what it contains, but it is a little box which I will tell you contains a hat. A little box that has a uh, star pattern on the top of it. Yes, a star pattern. Hmm. I don't remember. Is there a famous Disney object that is dark blue that has a star pattern on it? I don't know. I don't know. Let's take a break from this episode to let some Rumbell shippers just go wild for the next, like, five minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Belle takes Rumple into what she says is the best part of the house, which is a ballroom. A ballroom where the walls are lined with books, which makes it both a ballroom and a bell room. And Rumple uses his magic to uh, change their clothes. Oh, I guess he also has the clothes changing magic that Elsa has. Clothes beam. Yeah. Anyway, he changes them into... Oh, and speaking of problems with Elsa, changing them into identical outfits to the ones that Belle and Beast wear in the Tale as Old as Time scene in Beauty and the Beast. And then we get that scene. Yep, same music. He points at a gramophone and it starts playing the uh, song. And then they just dance for a while. Like, I I don't know. Were they, were they testing out whether or not they could do a live-action Beauty and the Beast years before the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast? Also, I feel like the prior Belle outfit looked more like Belle's iconic yellow dress than this one does. Well, I mean, this is like the Party City version. Yeah, no, it's... The earlier one looked more like a live-action... The earlier one looked more regal. It looked like what a princess would wear. And remember, in the continuity of Once Upon a Time, Belle was a princess and not an inventor's daughter. Mm. I don't know. Let's move on. (laughs) Whatever. So... David is shit-talking his baby son, who he's already clearly bored with. Is shit-talking the name Balefire? He's like... No, no, Neil. Right, no, no. He's like, maybe we should have gone with Balefire. Like, I feel like he's mocking the name Balefire, which is a weird running thing for David to be making fun of people's names. Fuck you, David. Also, speaking of that, fuck you, Snow. Because Snow's like, boy, I sure hope Regina doesn't go evil like she does all the time. Fucking Snow, really? And Henry's like, I don't have to deal with this. And he kind of wanders off because Henry's great. (laughs) Yep. And Mary Margaret's like, maybe he's concerned because you're boning Hook. No, he has legitimate things to be concerned about. He doesn't care that Emma and Hook are boning. Which, uh, in all fairness, Emma doesn't seem to care that she and Hook are boning. Because Hook's like, hey, do you want to talk about our relationship? And I was like, not really. No, she's like, I don't have time. We're in a crisis. And he's like, okay, but we're always in a crisis. You know what this actually reminds me of? Uh, So for a long time, there was a thing where Google Maps would buzz me every morning and say traffic is unusually heavy this morning. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Google Maps. At what point is that not just what traffic is like in this town? It's like that. She's like, we're in the middle of a crisis. And he's like, okay. But that's just what our life is. So we have to live life around the knowledge that that's what our life is. Meanwhile, Leroy has only one job, but it's okay because he's awesome at it. And that job is to run up 
and shout at everyone that shit is going down. Yeah, Hook's feelings get interrupted by Leroy running up and being like, something froze our car. Yeah, it was a lady, it was a lady in a blue dress with white hair. You had plenty of opportunity to see her. But no, apparently something magical uh, froze his car. He doesn't know what it was. So back in Arendelle, Anna chased Elsa into the woods in the wedding dress. Yeah, so, she's going to ruin that dress. Well, she sits on the ground to talk to uh, Elsa about what was in the diary. You know, she was worried earlier that she was going to mess up the dress. Now I know why. Sitting on the dirt ground of a forest. But Elsa tells Anna that, you know, she read the diary and it turns out that her parents didn't leave for a diplomatic mission. They left to find something to fix their freak daughter. Oh, It's so sad. Yeah. And it's one of those cases where, you know, talking to your children would have made a situation better. Being honest and upfront. Use your words. Not your ability to lock a small child up for years. Also, I mean, we're conflating the movie and the plot of Once Upon a Time here, but seriously, Once Upon a Time, Frozen Parents, just have a conversation instead of trying to protect your daughter, and then maybe everything wouldn't go to shit. Just a thought. No, but Anna, for some reason, she's like, no, just because this diary says that you're a freak that our parents were terrified of doesn't mean that's what they actually thought. I'm going to go to the same place our parents died to prove that they didn't think you were a freak, even though it says so right here. Anna just really wants any excuse to not get married. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm getting out of this. Yep. But before she does that, she says that she's going to take Elsa to see her future in-laws. And then it cuts to a stone troll. Like fountain? Or something. It just seems like someone stuck it on the edge of a building in Storybrooke so they'd have something to cut to. So... It cuts to the stone troll and story broken. Wah, wah. Yep. So apparently Emma and Hook saw Elsa and now they're chasing her. Well, they're following the ice path that she's making everywhere she goes. So they, they haven't actually seen her yet because they don't know who they're chasing. They just know that they're following this ice path. And um, Elsa does not like being chased. And as we've discussed, she has the ability to create life. So she creates that giant snowman thing from the movie like it's just so much straight out of the movie live action yep and hook's like huh yeah and you know what emma's as sick of this as we are the eye roll she gives when the giant snowman manifests is awesome yeah see i like hook's expression because it's 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 not he's not surprised he's not scared He's not curious. He's just like, okay, so this is a thing now. He's just very matter-of-factly taking in, okay, snow monster. Yep. And I really enjoy that. Like, we've had a long time with Emma being sick of this sort of thing, but having Hook be sort of blasé about it is fun. It's true. All right, so back in the flashback, Anna and Elsa are on their way to meet the trolls, and Elsa's pointing out what we said, which is, Anna really is just going to do anything to not have to get married. Yeah, she's like, shouldn't you be planning for your wedding? And Anna says, it's tomorrow. If I have any planning to do, I've screwed up. And apparently you didn't have a wedding dress, so. Also, I mean, I've been married twice. One time it was a lot of stuff. And one time it was 
not less stuff. It was less stuff. And both times I was doing a lot of stuff the day before my wedding. So, you know, must be nice to be a princess. So Kristoff's CGI troll dad comes to talk to them. And he makes a joke about Kristoff smelling bad, which is this really a thing that needed to be carried over from the movie? But okay, fine, whatever. Also, I mean... The CGI is not bad, it's... Uh. The, the CGI on the troll is fine. Put a pin in that. My real problem with the troll is the same problem I have with the dress. Which is, it's not building on anything that happened in Frozen, it's just recreating it in a live-action setting. Where it looks a lot more awkward. Anna asks him, okay, what were they really doing? What were our parents really doing on this voyage? Because clearly they weren't doing what it says in this book. And he's like, I don't know. Your parents talked to me like once when you were both children. Like, Except that's not true. They did talk to him right before they left. Enough to tell him where they were going. So now Anna and Elsa know where they were going. Not to the Northern Isles, but a land called Misthaven. Ever heard of Misthaven? No? Huh, how strange. And he talks a lot about how, like many people, they had their secrets, blah, blah, blah. Okay, wait. Yeah, he talks about how they, like many people, had their secrets. Did you want to talk about how the trolls are clearly the villains in Frozen? Because there's no way that he doesn't know about And he's choosing not to tell them. Everything else that happens in the flashback plot could be avoided if he just told them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my main problem with Kristoff in the movie, and the trolls in general, it's mostly the trolls, is that there is an interesting story with the trolls and with Kristoff. Right? There's a really interesting story about a human kid being raised in this inherently not human culture. And fucking none of that comes through with adult Kristoff. He just seems like an adult guy who knows some trolls, even though they very clearly stole him as a child and he was raised by them. So why would you give us like, oh, here's a really interesting story that we're not going to tell you or follow up on at all. And I know that that would take too much away from the sister's plot, which is the main thrust of it. But it doesn't make sense to give us the amount that they did. Either give us none or give us more. Not only did they steal him as a child, but they obviously stole him as a child and erased his memories of his family. Because when we see him harvesting ice, he has, I mean, if not a family, he has a community. And he's old enough to have formed memories. But when he talks to Anna, he has no memory of that. And we know that the trolls can erase memories. They kidnapped him and he raced his memories of his family. I just, I have so many questions about Kristoff, which the narrative has no interest in because, you know, he's just some penis oh there. Oh my god, Frozen is the once upon a time of Disney movies. There's so much interesting stuff happening in the margins that it has no interest in telling us about. Yeah, yeah. That's why it works so well this season. I hate to say it, but... Kristoff is the sexy lamp for Frozen. Well, yeah. We, most of the princes are sexy lamps, though. I don't know. I mean, Eric did stuff. Okay, you're right. Okay, wait, let's, go, let's go through it. Yes, Eric definitely did stuff. Oh, uh, 
sexy lamp, by the way, is a trope which normally applied to women. But this is once upon a time, so trope. Apply, yeah. So, so the trope tropes reversal. are reversal. Yeah, trope reversal. Gender, gender reversal in the tropes. Um, sexy lamp is when a female character could have her role entirely placed replaced in the plot by a sexy lamp, and it would make no difference. Yeah, Kristoff is a sexy lamp. Well, is he though? He brings them to the trolls. Oh, but that doesn't really—that doesn't forward the plot at all. Yeah. Okay. Kristoff is a sexy lamp. Okay. Eric does do stuff. Uh, Snow White, Prince Charming. David is a sexy lamp. Hmm. Does Philip count? Because Phil, uh, in the original Sleeping Beauty movie, because Philip does stuff, but it's all just, he's like a meat puppet for the fairies. Literally everything he does is assisted by the fairies. Yeah, he's manipulated. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Philip is a sexy lamp. Now, Aladdin is weird because the main character is Aladdin and not Jasmine. And Jasmine is not a sexy lamp. So Aladdin actually has fully fleshed out male and female romantic leads. Yeah. Yeah, good job, Disney. Naveen has a character arc in Princess and the Frog. The Beast is not a sexy lamp. So I guess... Is Kristoff the first sexy lamp we've had in a while? Yeah, I guess they were getting away from sexy lamps. Because Flynn Rider had a character arc. Okay. I have so much conflict in my heart about Flynn Rider. No, no, I, I genuinely do. Because you know the deal with Flynn Rider was that they were worried that boys wouldn't go see the movie if it was Rapunzel. That's why it's called Tangled. Yeah. Uh, and so they wanted to build it around a male protagonist instead. So they built it around Flynn Rider instead of Rapunzel, especially in the marketing, which... Is the same thing they did with Frozen. Frozen's a story about two sisters. It's a tale of two sisters. But the marketing was all Olaf and Sven. You'll uh, recall. Yes. Yeah. I was the same with Tangled. I mean, uh, Rapunzel and Flynn both really have stories, but the marketing kind of built it around Flynn. I'm conflicted, though, because I love Flynn so much. Yeah. I'm kind of okay with it. I shouldn't be, but I am. And then his original design got kind of recycled into Kristoff, but that's a... You know, he was originally going to be one of the Stabbington brothers. Flynn Rider was? Yeah. The original concept art for him, which had him be this bigger dude who, again, ended up getting recycled into Kristoff, was that he was the third Stabbington brother. Oh, that is interesting. I did not know that. I Okay, now I'm back to liking Flynn more because if he was supposed to be a bigger, more muscular dude and he got turned into what he got turned into... That means he was turned from the kind of guy that's really a male power fantasy to the kind of guy that's a female romantic interest. So, okay. I mean, we still haven't had a heavier prince at this point, but putting that aside. Well, I mean, we have a gay prince before we have a heavy prince. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just the world. I'm sorry, we were talking about trolls like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, we were. We were. Okay. We're, let me get back to where I'm in my notes. Okay, let's go. So, the troll gives them the little amount of information. Hey, you might want to check out some place named Misthaven. Now, before I can give you any more good information... I'm just going to turn into a rock and fuck off. Yeah. And Anna's like, fuck my wedding, let's go to Misthaven. And Elsa's like, you know I'm like the queen of this kingdom. I, I need to stay here and 
And also, apparently, Hans and his 12 angry brothers... Why would his brothers be angry? They didn't give a shit about him. No, it makes no sense. Yeah, she's like, I have to be on guard for Hans and his 12 angry brothers. and That and, doesn't make any sense. And Anna's like, I'll go. And Elsa's like, no, don't, like, don't worry about it. Elsa's like, wow, you really don't want to get married. Yeah, if she's going off on this mission, this totally pointless mission to... Uh... Miss Taven. Yeah. So, back in uh, Storybrooke, the giant snowman forces Hook and Emma to have sexual tension by yelling so hard that Hook falls on top of Emma. Important point. She doesn't actually become aggressive until Emma drops her gun and it goes off because on television, if you drop a gun, it goes off all the time. I love this because it wanders onto the main street where, hey, guess what? There's suddenly a bunch of people now. No one was around when Elsa was wandering around, but giant snowman. And Grumpy runs up and he points and he shouts, giant evil snowman. And Emma goes, ugh. Also, um, excuse me, Grumpy. How do you know it's evil? I don't know. It's. Anyway. It's very carefully avoiding stepping on cars or any real objects, which I'm sure is not just a CGI thing. Anyway, while her giant evil snowman daughter does her. Distracting duties. Yeah. Elsa picks up a piece of newspaper that was blowing in the wind and sees something shocking on the front page meanwhile emma realizes that the giant snow thing is like the hulk it doesn't like noise and it just wanders off into the woods to get away from all the screaming people yep okay okay so it walks past regina's vault which gives us an opportunity to go into the vault and see regina having a conversation with sydney okay Guys, if you need any more evidence that the writers were so not into doing Frozen for a storyline, look no further than the fact that we are a little more than halfway through the first episode of this season, and they're already setting up the next arc. Oh yeah, we're leaning really heavily into setting up the author here. Oh yeah, in fact, this is the first time that the author is introduced. It is so early in the evolution of the author that they actually refer to him as the writer. Hmm. And that is, of course, the writer of the Once Upon a Time book that Henry found and instigated this whole mess. Well, Regina brings up, Regina's showing it to Sidney, and and she says, Okay, so this book came out of nowhere. It has everyone's stories in it. Like, it knows all of this stuff about everyone, and we don't know who wrote it. And things in it don't seem to be able to be changed. People are assigned roles in it, and these are the roles they're forced to live. Seriously, what is up with this, and how come no one's questioned it? Yeah. And how come no one's questioned it up to this point? Yeah, where did this book come from? And more importantly, who wrote it? And more, more importantly, can I throw fireballs at him to make him change it? Yeah, because not thrilled at being, you know, the villain. But she kind of segues into, oh, also, this woman's back and I need her removed from the equation. And Sydney's like, do you want me to kill her? And Regina says, no, because if, if my true love's suddenly risen from the dead wife is suddenly murdered, that's going to come back on me. Yep. Yep, so she's like, I need to go back and kill her before I was going to kill her so that Emma doesn't have a chance to save her. 
And Sydney's like, I don't understand why you're asking me this. Oh, oh my god, bitch. You killed so many people, you don't even remember who she is. <laughs> and Regina's like, uh... Busted. But she says that she needs him to show her the exact moment she captured her. And he's like, um, I'm not trapped in a mirror anymore. Well... Which was a stupid thing for him to say. The thing is, the thing is, she's planning on traveling back in time to kill Marion. What? Isn't traveling back in time easy? Haven't lots of people done it? Can't it be done by anyone at any time? I'm sorry, Regina, we love you, but if you were taking plans from Zelina... You need to take a step back and reevaluate, which in all fairness, she does later in the episode. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. I thought we were going to talk about how traveling back in time is not a thing that can be done, except now apparently it can at any time by anyone. Eh, she did in the first season. No, no, no. She reached her hand back in time and pulled out an object. Big difference. Well, maybe she's just going to reach her hand through and shoot a fireball at Marion. You know what? That works for me. That works for me a lot, to be honest with you. Anyway, Sydney's like, I can't help you. I'm not trapped in a mirror anymore. And she's like, Whoopow! And she foops him into a mirror. And he's like, God damn it. He's really pissed. Yeah, he is not happy to be back in the mirror. And she's like, God, it's just temporary. And he's like, Really? Because it seems like you forgot me in that asylum. But you know what? He adjusts pretty quick. He's in love with her. Oh my God. And so am I. Because she's like, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Show me who I want to kill most of all. Which doesn't really scan. Eh. But you know what? It's okay. It's fine. We go back to... uh... The scene from last year where we saw Regina threatening Marion because Marion won't tell her where Snow White is hiding out. This doesn't really seem like it would help her identify when in time it is, but... That's not the point of the scene. The point of the scene is so Marion can give her a speech about how she doesn't have a family and therefore doesn't understand love. If you had a family, then you'd understand what goodness is. And Regina's like, hey, not everyone has a good family, lady. Right? Have you met my family? And in the present, Regina looks pretty upset by what she sees. Yeah, because she used to be pretty evil. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I was kind of a giant asshole all the time. Anyway, back out in the chaos. Why is everyone running? The snowman is no longer in the center of town. Yeah, don't worry about it. Anyway, Elsa gets a chance to actually look at the newspaper she has. It has a wedding announcement for Rumple and Belle, and they got married in secret in the woods. How is that front page news? No, really, I'm asking. Well, we know they have to put out two editions every day, so... Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Now, you're talking about the CGI troll. The CGI troll looked fine. And you're talking about the CGI snowman. CGI snowman looks fine. Then we go to the flashback, and we see Sven. Puppet reindeer. The fakest-looking reindeer I have ever seen. The fakest-looking reindeer since Santa Claus the movie. But Elsa asks this puppet where Kristoff is, and it's Nathaniel! Oh, it's Nathaniel from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love him so much. Oh my god. I am so, I am so shipping Nathaniel 
and Rebecca right now. How did that even happen? You had to do the pause to remember which one was Rachel and which one was Rebecca, I know, right? I know. I have to do it every time, too. Anyway, I'm so shipping them. I hope they are endgame. I love them together. I do, too. I love that he just became this human disaster over the course of being in West Covina. Oh, my God. And we're on the we're on hiatus right now, but the next episode back it's uh, is a Nathaniel episode. Ah, uh, according to the title. Ah, I'm so excited. But he shows up and Elsa's like, really, I think the reindeer would have been more help. And he's like, well, unfortunately, I want to have sex with you. I am going to be name dropping Nathaniel songs until I run out of them. But he's very clearly trying to distract her. Because she wants to know where Anna is and he's like, I don't know. I definitely think she's just running errands for the wedding. Don't worry about it. Don't she think need, about it. She needs frosting for the cake. And I'm not putting all these awkward pauses in here just to keep you distracted. And Elsa's like, really, dude? Really? She's like, I'm a queen. What, what is your end game? I'm your queen. Also, she calls him Reindeer Man. He is Ice Man. He happens to be friends with a reindeer. But he ends up spilling the beans that she's going to Mist Haven. And there's a whole bunch of, like, things with the puppet reindeer. And it's all bad comedy and awful and bad. Okay, what was Anna's plan? I mean, she's def- she her plan was definitely to miss her wedding, right? Because there's no way she was going to get... To Mist Haven and back before the wedding. To Mist Haven, get the confirmation that her parents didn't think Elsa was a freak. Something she doesn't even know what she's looking for. And then get back? I mean, is Mist Haven half a day's sail from Arendelle? Uh, yeah, it was not a good plan at literally any point. But hey, Anna of Arendelle in character. Good point. Good point. All right. So back in the present... Our heroes are facing down the Our snow. heroes as they were. Yeah. Our heroes, as you will, are facing down the evil giant snowman when Hook realizes that it's only attacking because they keep shooting at it. Yeah, it's Emma and Hook and David and the Merry Men, and little John shoots it with a crossbow. Hey, hey, you know who could probably use a giant house to live in? The giant snowman? The Merry Men, who are still crashing in the woods they like the woods they have a small he's gonna get hookworm that's how you get hookworm it's fine giant house that bill's just gonna take over all (laughs) willy-nilly manifest destiny the characters all right so emma suddenly remembers that she has magic and she's like i know what'll pacify it shooting it with light yeah she's like i've got light magic And then she just shoots light magic out of her hand, and it's like, okay, Max, what's the difference between light magic and dark magic? Uh, light magic's powered by love. Okay, so you can shoot death bolts at someone as long as it's based on the fact that you feel love. And then that's, like, totally magic kosher. Yeah, yeah, like... But if you heal someone's wounds, but it's based on the fact that you feel jealousy, now you're an evil hag. Yeah. Am I understanding the rules of magic as they are laid out by Once Upon a Time? Well, it's like how, uh, you know, Sailor Moon destroys things by shooting energized love at them. Or how the Care Bears use 
brainwashing love to make you can do evil shit as long as you're doing it in the name of love i'm not sure if that applies to sailor moon i don't know what the monsters deals are in sailor moon anyway marion shows up to shoot more arrows at the thing because that was working so well before and then regina comes out looks at the prone and about to be attacked marion and then bamfs out (laughs) Leaving Marion to believe that she is going to die before Regina takes out the snowman from behind. Which is amazing. Even when she's doing good deeds, she has to be a bitch about it because she is my hero. Yeah, and she she bamps behind the giant snowman and then she's like, hey, you know what's better than light magic? Fire! And she (laughs) she melts it. Hey, you know what's really effective? Dark magic. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? She used light magic... At the end of last season, and I don't think she ever uses it again in this show. No, I don't think that's true. Okay, well, watch for it, because I don't think that's true. I'm just saying, her go-to moves pretty much continues to be fireballs from this point on. Huh. But maybe they're fireballs powered by love. Anyway, then then Regina says... Then Regina uh, title drops our podcast because she loves us. She says, welcome to Storybook, Marion. And I was like... That's almost the title of our podcast. That is the title of our podcast if you ignore the Marion part of it. Yep. So clearly Regina wants you to be listening to us. So Emma's playing around with the snowman's corpse. Well, I mean, she's pissed off that she wasn't able to stop it. And then, and then she tells Hook that they should go home and Netflix and chill. She does. And he's like, well, I don't know what that is. And she's like, you don't need to know what that is. Actually, he's like, I don't know what that is, but I do understand euphemisms for sex. And she's like, yeah, but we don't know where that giant snowman came from. So I guess I'm going to be my mother. And uh, since you're agreeing to do something, I'm going to be a contrarian. I mean, that's not actually what's happening. What's actually happening is that she has to go make sure that her true love is okay before she engages in some admittedly very hot sex with Hook. And uh, as long as we're quoting Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Hook has a settle for me moment where he's like, you know what, I'm fine, I'll be here whenever. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Riley from Buffy, except not an asshole about it. Like, I'm, I'm cool with being your convenient boyfriend. I'm cool with being your boyfriend when it's convenient for you. I'm going to be Riley from Buffy, except they're not going to do a weird thing where they turn me into an asshole for no reason over the course of one episode so they can explain writing me off. Mm. Yeah. That, like, makes no sense. Anyway, Emma has to go check on her true love, Regina, and... Like you said, does this make sense if you haven't seen Frozen? I don't know. It doesn't matter if everyone's seen Frozen. Yep, because they're having a do you want to build a snowman moment where Regina's on the floor on the other side of the door and Emma's leaning against the door and she's like, you need to fight. You need to, you, you need, know. Yeah, you need to come out and you need to, like, be of the world. You can't just hide. And and Regina's just curled up and sad and it's amazing. And listen, I forgot to bring it up before, but the moment where she was so angry that the mirror broke behind her unconsciously is definitely mirroring the way Elsa can't control her ice powers. We haven't ever seen Regina out of control with her powers before, but now we are seeing it because this is the Elsa season, and oh, I love it! But Emma, and 
not to lean too hard into our swan queen thing, but Emma says through through the door, she's like, Henry brought me to Storybrooke to bring back the happy endings. And I'm bringing them, and I need to bring them back for everyone. My job's not done until you have your happy ending. Oh my god, be still my swan queen heart. <laughs> it's perfect. This scene is perfect. But then Regina decides to go all evil, which you know what? Is also perfect. She calls out Sydney from the mirror and she tells him it's time for villains to get their happy endings, which was a very nice thing for her to do for all of the editors who had to cut together promos. Mm. Yeah, she says that it's time for them to change fate, and he's like, That's a little beyond my abilities, and she's like, Well, not all of not your abilities and mine. She's like, I'm gonna change fate. You're basically just along for the ride. You're basically just gonna be my Wikipedia while I change fate, okay? Yeah. And she says, you know, my whole thing with Marion was stupid. It's not Marion's fault that I'm unhappy. It's whoever wrote this stupid book. Yes, it's the writer. Let's go take care of the writer. Yeah, he's the one who made me a villain, and he's the one who made it so villains never get happy endings. So... Since I can't not be the villain, I'm going to find him and make him change it. Also, it's sort of, well, I mean, I guess most of the villains in the show die. As I was about to say, Rumpel seems to be doing pretty well for a villain. Speaking of Rumpel. He's uh, sitting next to Belle. They're in bed. She's asleep. He's not. He's looking at the magic box with the mysterious... uh, cover and he uses the dark one dagger because the dark one dagger really is just an all-purpose tool isn't it Mm. yeah so he uses the magic of the dark one dagger to release the box to coax the box to release what it is holding not cenobites nope nope but a hat a familiar hat a familiar hat indeed and actually as much as I complained about the Party City dresses, it is a hat that has, like, CGI galaxies inside of it, which is a super cool interpretation of the Sorcerer's Apprentice hat from Fantasia. Yeah. Like, it looks really cool. I mean, fake as all get out, but still yeah, really you know, cool. whatever. Yeah. Now, so the show is introducing the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I wonder if that's going to connect to the author plot at all. No, that's definitely going to tie into the Frozen plot. You remember when that was a big part of Frozen, right? (laughs) Speaking of, uh, Elsa freezes the door open because ice is magic. Ice magic is all magic. Elsa can do anything. Ice magic does everything. Elsa is pretty much all powerful. She straight up used telekinesis in that short. That's not related to ice at all. But uh, she goes poking through the shop until she finds the gaudy snowflake necklace that, uh... Yep, she fi- and we see that the reason that she was... Was it an ad for Mr. Gold's shop that had... It, it was his wedding announcement? It was an engagement announcement. And the engagement... An engagement. They got married in, like, a day. He proposed to her, and then they got married. Well, okay, I guess it was a, I guess it was a wedding announcement, but it was a wedding announcement that had, like, just a stock picture of the two of them. And that picture was taken in his shop, and so she saw in the display case the prominently displayed snowflake necklace. Ah. 
so back in Arendelle, uh, Elsa's chasing after the ship, and she's like, we have to stop her, and Kristoff's uh, like, no. And she says, did you say no to your queen? And he's all, uh, I was raised by trolls in the troll community, and I don't know if we fall under your provenance or not, so fuck you. He's like, also, uh, you know Anna, and she's gonna do whatever the fuck she wants, so we Let's just- Let's go to the zoo. We just- so we just both have to deal with that. That's just a fact of life that I have to deal with and you have to deal with. Because we both love her. It bothers me that they had so many people on the show that could sing, but none of them <laughs> were in the musical episode. What? You didn't You didn't think the musical episode was, was good? It was filled with talented people who could definitely sing? Oh my god. Max, I can't wait till we get to the musical episode. Anyway, Kristoff has a speechy speech about how Anna never gives up on the people she loves and she always succeeds even though she acts before she thinks. You've known her for like a week, dude. He also drops that Misthaven is sometimes known by another name. You mean almost exclusively known by another name, especially after this season? Oh yeah? Yes, I do. Because Misthaven, it's the Enchanted Forest, y'all. Does that count as an unrevealing reveal? I don't know. I mean, actually, no, I'd say it was a revealing reveal. So, basically, this episode has just been frozen. Like, straight out, just frozen. Well, just a sequel to Frozen. Right, right. But just imagery from the movie Frozen, translated to live action, but not modified in any way whatsoever. Yep. But this is letting us know that now Anna Verandell is going to interact with all of the Once Upon a Time characters. I don't know if she gets less annoying, but I do remember really liking her interactions with Rumpel later. Well, I mean, I'm just really excited for her to teach David sword fighting. Oh my god, that episode is the worst and also the best. I can't wait to oh, talk about that. Oh my god. Okay, okay so... I'm the... sorry, we've got like five seconds of show left. Well, it ends on Elsa... Picking up Anna's necklace, the snowflake necklace in Mr. Gold's shop and saying, I will find you, Anna. And that's going to be all next episode. So, yes. But she doesn't say I will always find you because that belongs to the Charmings. Also because she spent most of her childhood avoiding Anna. So, huh. true. I will always be right out of reach from you, Anna. Oh, ah, cold. True. Cold. Cold. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so... One of my segments, one of my suggested segments from this was going to be what shit from Frozen is showing up this week? Okay, well, I mean... Because we get stuff throughout the, sh- throughout the season. It's true. Okay, I like this as a segment. It's funny, we didn't talk about segments before we started recording. No, it's a great idea for a segment. Obviously, this week we're a little... It's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. Because we have Grand Poppy, the troll. Uh, we have Buttercup, or whatever the hell the giant snowman's name is. Snowwoman? Snowperson? I believe that the giant evil snowman is, in fact, female. Okay. So, whatever her name is. Uh, we have Anna. We had Elsa last season. So okay, Anna count. and Elsa don't count. Okay, we Anna have... Anna and Elsa don't count because that's just characters. Characters get mixed in. Okay. So, does the horrifying Sven puppet count? Yes, because it's horrifying. We should talk about how horrifying it is. 
Um, but also we have the do you want to build a snowman moment, except this time between Regina and Emma, which is awesome. Well, and we have the shipwreck that's the shipwreck is basically taken exactly from the beginning of Frozen. Yeah. Is that everything? I think that might be it. All the direct lifted elements. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, they directly lifted the fact that apparently in Arendelle, the writing is runic. Yeah. That was that's actually a really good detail. And of course, our perpetual uh, segment, Fashion Corner. Okay. Well, I don't really have any good outfits to talk about. Yeah, Regina's new outfit was. Well, it's because she's trying to be good. And she's not good at being good. So her, like, white suit is not... It's not terrible. It's just... It's... I mean, Lana Priya couldn't look bad if she tried. Yeah. It's but... like her superpower. <laughs> but unlike other superpowers in the show, it's real. Mm. And the... other than that, I mean, I... This episode's more significant for outfits I hated, and we've talked that to death. Yeah, this was a really big episode for direct lifts. And just like with superhero costumes, you need to make changes when something makes the jump from animated to live action. Because, I don't know, actually, I've seen a bunch of cosplay stuff that looks really good with minimal adjustments, but... Well, yeah, but cosplay cosplay's different. Yeah. Because in cosplay, the art is copying it exactly. I mean, when you have people going about their regular lives, you know, in yellow spandex, it's a totally different situation. Mm. Yeah, but there needs to be adjustments made, and they weren't here, so. Yeah. So if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to discuss this episode, head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. You can also contact us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. If you'd like to donate to our Patreon or listen to past episodes, you can do so at our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. And listen, I sit back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance, crush the speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly when I play a dope melody. Anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit bulls out of kid. Don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves.